Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Get your breakfast raw every morning. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and happy hump day. Great to have you with us in uh, 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker, and it's 7.01 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Hockey's back. Thank goodness. We had, Finally. We had three games last night. The Blues played tonight at home against the Edmonton Oilers. Knock on wood. No, they're they're playing. I don't okay. even think we need to knock on wood. I think the NHL, it's back. They're they're saying we're done with this. We're playing these games. We hit three games last night, mm-hmm. and the San Jose Sharks knocked off Arizona in a shootout, eight to seven. So a lot of action coming back. <laughs> Vegas wins over the Kings, six to three. Canadians fell to the Lightning in OT five four. So so some high scoring shootout games last night, and that's one thing the Blues want to avoid tonight is getting into a shootout with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's just get, take care of them in regulation, boys. And by the way, the Blues will be getting back three key players in Jordan Cairo, along with Robert Thomas and our buddy David Perron. Here is head coach Craig Berube. Well, I said, like, we, we played a certain game, you know, with all these guys out of lineup. We were pretty sim- simple and forward and north hockey, physical. They got to do that stuff, get back in the lineup. That's their job is to do that, you know. It's not to change the style of play or game we had. We want to play the same way. Um, we're getting some real good skill back. But within that skill, these guys got to work and they got to compete and they got to be physical. Little Belichick, do your job there. Work, compete, be physical. The end. Not that hard. No, that and that's St. Louis Blues hockey, is it not? That's Chief mm-hmm. pre, has been preaching that same stuff for years. And it has been a while now for Jordan Bennington with COVID and then losing the game in Winnipeg. He'll be back on the ice tonight against Edmonton, and then presumably on Saturday in the Winter Classic against the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a strange uh, month. Um, I'm definitely excited to kind of get back in some sort of a rhythm and um, you know it's been a good three days back and and just getting some game action and uh, get uh, some wins here with the boys and um, just continue on with the season. Goalies are so routine based it probably has been the weirdest month for Jordan Bennington obviously being out with COVID then coming back then having this extended break I'm sure he's itching to get back out there between the pipes. What 27 year old hangs around his house making phone calls and that's what he did while he was out with COVID. He played pool and made phone and calls. He wasn't texting. He was making phone calls to people. I wonder if they were FaceTimes, if anyone well, FaceTimes. FaceTime's still considered a phone call, though. You're yeah, actually speaking to someone. Right. So that might have been the case. But if he was really talking on the phone, then he was really beside himself with COVID. 
you know, you didn't have a lot to do. Locked it's a, down. It's a good time to catch up with people. It really is. <laughs> it Quarantine. Yeah. Hey, happy holidays. Yeah, well, how you been? <laughs> Haven't talked to you in a while. I, I have some unexpected free time if you'd like to catch up. <laughs> right. Now, the NHL announced last week that they aren't going to China for the Olympics. And Vladimir Tarasenko met with the media yesterday and is none too happy about not having the opportunity to make the choice to go. Uh, I read the Brad Marchand interview, I think, yesterday. Um, I think he said it right, I think, like, they promised us we can go this year, and uh, they took it away, but we're still playing here. So uh, with all the restrictions, all the rules, I don't really understand the point where people deciding for you in the last, like, how many, 18, 22, like, eight years? Like, you just, there's way too many players who are dreaming about Olympics growing up, like in any country in the world, either it's Canada or US or Russia or Finland or any other, any other country. And then you're kind of preparing for it, you're dreaming about being named in the roster, and then you just say, like, hey, you can go. I think, yeah, I think the player is the one who's supposed to decide. I really agree on this point, but I guess it's business, and we just follow, follow what, what the rules are. Number one, he was reading a Brad Marchand interview. Eh, take that for what it is. And number two... Yeah, I don't blame him. He, I'm sure he did grow up with the idea that he would at one point be able to play for Russia in the Olympics. And the problem that he has now is that the team that is actually paying him to play hockey is going to be playing during the time that the Olympics are being played. If there wouldn't have been so many games shut down previously, then they would have the open path to go to the Olympics. But at the same time, Michelle... If you go to China and you test positive over there, you're going to get quarantined for five weeks. So there are a lot of negatives to going. I love the idea of the players having the choice to go, but I also think it would be foolish for the NHL to send their players under the current circumstances to go play. Couldn't agree more. I see both sides of this. I think the the five-week quarantine, especially with the way things are uh, seemingly getting lessened throughout sports or the, the testing is evolving and the quarantine period is changing and it's things are shifting when it's coming to asymptomatic players. It just seems like that is a little bit more severe. And obviously, there's different countries, different rules. However, I, I do think Vladimir Tarasenko has a point where the NHL is trying to protect themselves and not really taking into consideration what it would mean to some of these guys to go out there and represent their country. And if I was a player, I would want the option to choose as well. Especially because they didn't get to play. They weren't afforded the opportunity to play in 2018. So there goes the prime of Vladimir Tarasenko's career to be an Olympian. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point that he made, that some guys are going to have to wait four, maybe eight years for this. And there's that window. It's gone by. And I, I think we forget a lot of times about somebody like Vladimir Tarasenko, who has come here. His, his family is here. He, this is where he's made his career. But imagine what it would be like to represent your country and know that your family and everyone that has supported you and been a part of your hockey journey is going to be able to watch you mm -hmm. wear that sweater with your country's flag on it because I'm sure a lot of people get to get, watch them in the NHL but it's a completely different set of a set of circumstances and has a completely different meaning for so many people. Meanwhile, college football, another bowl game canceled last night, the Holiday Bowl. UCLA announced at about 2.30 St. Louis time that they were not going to play in the 7 o'clock game the UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarmon saying that he was deeply disappointed for the Bruins players. However, NC State 
not very happy about it. Dave Doran, the head coach for NC State, said, felt lied to, to be honest. We felt like UCLA probably knew something was, was going on. Didn't tell anybody on our side. We had no clue they were up against that. I don't feel it was very well-handed from their university. It's amazing how many of these bowl games are getting canceled, though. I wonder at the end of this if they're going to find a total sum and how much money has been lost with oh, these yeah. bowls ga- bowl games not being played. Because there's a lot. I mean, think about the months of work that goes into this, the money that's invested, whether it's signage or, or marketing, all of this stuff that's already been paid for. And I understand that from a player's health and safety perspective, that's what you have to think about first. But there is a lot of money that's getting just thrown out the window because these games are getting canceled. And the tentacles, people that from North Carolina that made the trip to uh-huh. San Diego. Now, granted, they're st- stranded in San Diego. Things, things could be worse, but... The amount of people all over the country that made the trip to watch their university's team play in a bowl game. ESPN, all the advertising that they've sold, and Fox last night, uh, all the advertising they sold for these games that they aren't going to earn now. Perhaps the ancillary advantages of being able to advertise in those games that advertisers glean. There are, you're right, a ton of dollars that are not getting spent or utilized because of all these cancellations. If you're a team that is in the college football playoff, do you think that your coach has you quarantined, that you're not allowed to see anybody go anywhere? Because if I was Alabama, if, if I'm any of these teams, I am not letting my players out of my George sight. is locked in in Miami. Yes. I mean, I'm talking, you can't go anywhere without no. me knowing no. about it. Bowl games last night that were played, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Mississippi State fell to Texas Tech 34-7. The SEC now 0-4 in bowl games so far this postseason. Yikes. Not great. Big boy football, huh? Yeah. Uh, And look at Texas Tech, Big 12. Wow. Hammering the SEC. Guaranteed rate bowl, the Big Ten's Minnesota Golden Gophers over West Virginia, 18-6. In the first responder bowl, Air Force, a 31-28 winner over Louisville. And in the Birmingham Bowl, Houston 17, Auburn 13. That got the SEC to 0-3 in bowl games. Auburn losing that game. And all these teams not only losing bowl games, but finishing under 500. Michelle, they were 6-6 six and six going in. Not SEC. No, uh-uh. It's, it's just more important. It is. Yeah. Uh, at the World Junior Hockey Championships, the USA forfeited a game against Switzerland due to COVID-19 protocols. And Blues prospect Tanner Dickinson is with Team USA. And sad news, and we're going to talk to Dick Vermeil at the bottom of the hour here. John Madden, passing away at the age of 85. I was talking to Luke earlier because I was able to see John Madden coach. So there's a group of us that watch him, and for us, his fame was gained through coaching. Then another group where his fame was gained through broadcasting, and then still another younger group that his fame was gained through the video game. And that's how they'll know him forever. There's an entire generation of people out there that know Michael Jordan for shoes and Mm -hmm. know John Madden for video games. Yeah, right. And that tells you how diverse he was. The fact that he was able to succeed at such a high level in coaching. Won 16 Emmys as a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And then had the best-selling video game of all time. On three different levels, he was the best. My, I think, first introduction to John Madden as a little, little kid was in the movie Little Giants, the annexation of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. You know, he was representing the NFL and an ambassador for football in so many different arenas. He transcended what happened on the field and became a representative of the game in many avenues of pop culture. And we'll talk to his close friend Dick Vermeil at the bottom of the hour. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. 
Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way on 101 ESPN. Wake up and talk sports. A lot of sports. This is Carriker and Smallman, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. All right, it is a week between Christmas and New Year's edition of Ask Uncle Randy. This is going to be trying times for a lot of you out there, and that's why Uncle Randy is here. I'm here to provide you with some wisdom because I've been around and I can help you out. If you have any questions about life, maybe you have an idea of what you'd like to do for your New Year's Eve plans, but you want to have a, a little help there, Michelle and I can help out in that regards, too. All you need to do is send us a text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Ask Uncle Randy. Michelle, what do we have? This one, Randy, from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, my New Year's resolution, like so many others, is to lose some weight and focus on my health. I know that you have dropped some pounds in the past. Any tips from a diet and exercise standpoint on how I can get this jump started? All right. There are two keys. Number one, you just have to be committed. You can't. You, you can't say I'm going to lose weight and then go home and be watching a game and eat a sleeve of Oreos. You you have to be able to be disciplined in your approach to losing weight. And keep in mind, working out is great and you'll feel a lot better if you work out. But in losing weight, it's about 80% diet and 20% exercise that allows you to lose weight. So keep in mind that the diet is the key. And just follow, I followed the instructions at Slim 180. There are a lot of places where you can lose weight. Just follow the instructions of the experts and don't try to do it too fast. Try to be healthy in losing weight. You, you don't want to lose 30 pounds in two weeks because you'll gain that back. Yeah. Um, when I did 75 hard, the diet portion of it was the hardest for me because I never wanted to meal prep. I never mm-hmm. wanted to think about it, but that it is actually the best way to not cheat is if you take the time to build out a menu, do the grocery shopping, and cook the food because then you have no excuses. It's already in your fridge. Definitely. Don't sabotage your environment. Just go ahead and bite the bullet one day and go out, get the stuff, make the food, and then whenever you are hungry, you'll have a good decision to make. Right, and that's a great point about sabotaging your environment. Don't have cheat items in the house. And if you, it's oh, yeah. easier if you're living alone, but... Try to get your family on board. Say, hey, I'm trying to lose some pounds, and I don't want to have a big giant box of Oreos in the pantry. That Nutella, get it out of there. The yeah. cookie butter, it's out the pantry. Wow. Can't have it. It's tough. If it's there, you're going to eat it. I know, but it's still good. It is delicious, but that's how we're in this predicament. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, I sold some golf clubs to my neighbor, but he never paid me. Mm. What do I do? You have to ask for the money or the golf clubs back. You say, hey... I sold you those with the idea that you were going to pay for them. It was not a gift, and hopefully it wasn't interpreted as a gift to him. But I would say, hey, are you going to pay me for the golf clubs? Because if not, I'd like to take them into golf discount and trade them in. I would do the passive-aggressive thing and just send him a Venmo request. That's a good idea, too. I didn't even think about that possibility. To Ricky the neighbor, 100 bucks. Yeah. Merry Christmas. However much. Yeah, whatever it is. But... Yeah, you didn't give it to him, and I'm sure that he's not even thinking about it. Or he's thinking, okay, I'll pay him next week. 
uh, just ask nicely. Say, hey, I sold you these golf clubs. We had an agreed upon price. Can I have the money, please? <laughs> Let's head into 2022 with all of our debt settled. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Right there. From the 636, dear Uncle Randy, my, or excuse me, dear Uncle Randy, this is from the 573. How long is too long to leave up my Christmas tree and my lights? I don't want to look like a Grinch, but I also don't want to look like the neighborhood dork. I would say that the, for me, the back end would be about January 15th. Now, I know that there's, Ranji one time kept his tree up all year long. All year? Yeah. And he, this wasn't a statement, it was just because he- Lazy. Okay, okay. Yeah, just too too lazy. But I would think that, uh, yeah, to avoid being thought of as a lazy dork, <laughs> Jan, that, uh, that middle of January time period is the time where you have to have everything from Christmas down. And That's now- three weeks. That's, if you have it up three weeks before, three weeks after, six weeks is plenty. Now uh, that you know that people are definitely going to be calling you lazy or a dork around mm-hmm. the neighborhood, just go ahead and get her done. Yeah. And there will be times, for example, on uh, the day after New Year's Day, if you have off on, well, the, the day after New Year's Day is uh, actually Sunday. So Sunday, maybe if the tree is in the living room, have some NFL action on and take ornaments off as you slowly but surely throughout the course of the day. I was also just looking at the forecast. On Friday, it's going to be 64 degrees. That's a perfect time to go out and take those lights off your house if that's part of the agenda. It's going to be beautiful outside. Good Use call. that as your motivator. There's rain in the forecast oh, after it's rain. that. Oh, it, is no, it after be, that. The is, next day, Saturday, low of 18, raining. So look at that as your, your opportunity. I'm going to go out there, get it done on Friday while it's warm because I don't want to have to do it when it's cold and or there's precipitation. I kind of like the idea of the 64-degree day on Friday, though. Because you're going to go golfing? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I, I was done for 2021. Perhaps not. Close out the year. with. Yeah. I played golf on Christmas Eve, maybe New Year's Eve as well. Do it. I love it. From the 636, dear Uncle Randy, this is a tough one. My wife wants plastic surgery, and I wish she didn't. I want to be supportive of her decisions. However, I think she looks great the way she is. Please help. Okay. I'm assuming, and please text in if uh, you can answer this. I'm assuming that it's facial plastic surgery. It does not specify. Okay, because obviously we have enhancements of different body parts now, and that's different. But I would say that... uh, if you like her the way she is, say, hey, I fell in love because you have a beautiful face. I don't want you to change anything about that. I know that you, we're, we all have a level of vanity, but you're beautiful. You don't need to change anything. There's nothing that you can do in my mind to improve what you are. I think all of us feel that way when we're married for a long time. Now, if it is some sort of an enhancement, that's a different story. But once again, I would suggest that if you don't want her to have the plastic surgery, that you reinforce to her that she's perfect in your eyes. And maybe find out why exactly she wants it. Mm-hmm. Is it is it a big insecurity of hers? Is it something where she feels as if she's aging and then is trying to just have a little pick-me-up yep. of, of certain areas? You never know. But I, I would just open that door to have the conversation as to why she feels compelled to do this. And if this doesn't work or if you're uncomfortable having this conversation, just casually watch the show Botched in the <laughs> evening. Hey, honey, settle in. Found this great new program. <laughs> it is true, though. If I watch Botch, oh. I think I'd be a little nervous. To yeah, I think everybody should be. Gosh, hey, Randy, that was um, that was a a hard left there, but I think it's probably effective. It's, yeah, it can't hurt. <laughs> and and that is, if you can't attract her feelings with honey, 
then uh, use a little vinegar. There you go. <laughs> also from the 636, dear Uncle Randy, I finished 75 hard tomorrow. Congratulations. Congratulations. You made it. Am I risking undoing everything if I party hard for New Year's Eve? Michelle would be a better answerer for this. I would say that having a cheat weekend after you do 75 hard should be allowed. You should be allowed to have that celebration. But again, you need to get back to a level of discipline after your partying weekend. And if you can do that, if you're confident, not that you have to do the two 45-minute workouts a day and completely stop drinking, but if, if you feel like you're able to get back to a routine where you can maintain what you've accomplished over the last 75 days, then by all means, go for it. Um, yeah, it's kind of the point once it's over is that you get to have a big feast and a mm -hmm. big celebration that not only you cross the finish line, but all those things you've been dreaming about, you can have. My, my one tip to you, don't do what I did. I had a gooey butter cake for breakfast, and then I hopped on a plane and went to Mexico. A whole gooey butter cake? No, I couldn't make it through the oh. whole thing. And we, we did chips, salsa, margaritas, the works. And I felt miserable afterwards. You have mm -hmm. to think your baseline of how you feel right now, your body is so pure. You, right. You've been eating great. You've not been drinking. There's no toxins in your mm -hmm. body. So whether it's sugar or alcohol or whatever, your body is going to feel it that much more once you do um, go back to your old ways. So just gradually go. Don't, I mean, New Year's Eve is a different story. Have a great time. But I, I would use the days between New Year's Eve, tomorrow, I guess, is, is day one, day 76. Dip your toe in the water a little bit. That yeah. way you won't feel so bad on New Year's Eve if you do really go for it. If you are inclined to celebrate, though, just celebrate. And like Michelle pointed out, if you haven't had alcohol for 75 days, don't be drinking a gallon of tequila to, uh, on New Year's Eve. It's not a good play. Actually, probably don't drink a gallon of tequila anytime. I wouldn't, at once. I wouldn't advise it. No, no, I wouldn't advise that. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, there's this girl that I like at the gym. I always see, and I'm not sure what the play is. She's never there with anybody as well. What is my move here? Introduce yourself. Say, hey, I'm Randy. What's your name? And then uh, let it go from there. Find out what she does. Uh, find out, you know, if she lives, you live around here, that kind of thing. And then uh, she'll probably at some point in a five minute conversation, you'll learn whether or not she has a boyfriend or not. Pick your spot, too. Yeah. Don't. Oh, yeah. Not right. Well, she's in the middle of doing yeah. a bench press or yeah, something. If she's, if she's in her squats, don't yeah. say what's up. Yeah. Or if she has headphones on. That's true. Yeah. Re read the situation. If she yeah. has headphones on, she's not trying to talk to anybody. Exactly. But maybe that you wait till after she's done with yep. her set. Are you done? May I use this? Is, yep. Do you do this often? I saw this technique. I like it. Whatever. Right. But get a segue yeah, in there. Th there will be a play in there. We'll just uh, you, you just don't go too hard, too fast with that one. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Yesterday, last night, we learned of the passing of Hall of Fame head coach John Madden. One of his great friends was former St. Louis Rams head coach Dick Vermeil, who joins us next here on 101 ESPN. Wake up with a steaming cup of sports. It's mornings with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. There was a lot of glee in 2021, but a lot of disappointment as well. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you to 
run down some of the most disappointing moments of the 2021 sports year. And Michelle, we're going to get to yours. And it has to do with Sister Jean. Do we have to do that one? Yeah, because we've got to talk about disappointment here. And you know what? After today, we're turning the page. We're heading into 2022 and we're putting those ill feelings behind us. Yes. I think that's a smart move. Let's do it. Start with a clean slate. Optimism heading into 2022. Optimism for 2022. And one thing we don't have to concern ourselves with is 2022 causing a losing lawsuit for St. Louis by the NFL because of one of the great disappointments of 2021 to me, which was settling that lawsuit. I was so looking forward to getting into that courtroom on January 10th and watching things unfold. So was I. I was very much looking forward to watching the NFL squirm, watching them have to read the headlines about their dirty dealings and stealing a football team from St. Louis while the Super Bowl is getting ready to kick off in Stam's Palace. I was very much looking forward to that. And it seems silly to be disappointed in a $790 million judgment awarded in favor of your city (laughs) because it is whether they verbally said it or not, an admission of guilt by the NFL. Right. It's them recognizing that what they did was not only wrong, but that they were going to be held accountable for their actions. But for the average sports fan in St. Louis, watching the NFL have to go through a process that they didn't want to go through mm-hmm. and having the national media talk about how St. Louis was done wrong, that was what their desired outcome in all of this was going to be. And when the settlement happened, it was just kind of brushed under the rug. And it it felt like for the average St. Louis sports fan that they're not really going to get a resolution to these feelings that they had. You hit the nail on the head because we were hurt. We were done wrong legally. And I wanted to, at the very least, see those owners that are very rarely, if ever, put in an uncomfortable position put in an uncomfortable position. Now, were they going to have to take the stand? No, but they were going to have to think about the possibility of losing two or three or four billion dollars. And 790 million is a lot more palatable than four billion. And even if you settle on January 15th, settle a week into the case, at least you've made them squirm a little bit. And that's the one disappointing thing to me is that I really don't think that the NFL owners or Stan Kroenke ever had to squirm. No, not really. I mean, there was obviously uncomfortable meetings or uncomfortable conversations at the owners Mm -hmm. meeting stand uh, being put on trial by his fellow owners, which was interesting. That was a fun development, I think, for us to observe. But at least for me, Randy, the Rams leaving St. Louis was all about money. It had nothing to do with the fan support here. It had nothing to do with the region. It had nothing to do really with the Dome not being a serviceable venue for Rams football. It was all about greed and money and this collection of people thinking that they could just throw money at an issue and get whatever they want. Exactly. And then to have the settlement be them throwing money at an issue and getting whatever they want, which is a problem going away, it just felt like a victory for them. Even though they have to pay, of course, and that's something that they don't like they got to throw money at another problem and have it go away right i i couldn't agree with you more all right there were more disappointments that wasn't the only one of 2021 how fired up were you heading into the wild card playoff game in the national league on october 6th the cardinals on the heels of a 17 game winning streak that propelled them into the playoffs against a dodgers team that yes won 106 games but all of us i believe 
even though it was Max Scherzer on the mound for the Dodgers, were excited about the prospects of the Cardinals because of the way they had played in September. Max Scherzer's handful of starts heading into that game were not very Max Scherzer-like. He seemed to be a little vulnerable. And we know it in St. Louis better than any other organization in baseball. Momentum is key. Sometimes teams just have to get hot at the right time. And who was hotter than the St. Louis Cardinals coming off an historic winning streak? They were finding ways to win games that they had no business winning. And they just had the confidence and everyone clicking at the right time. And, Randy, I truly believe had they won that game versus the Dodgers, that was a team that could have made a deep playoff run. I'm with you. And it's just a shame that things turned out the way they did. The Cardinals got excellent pitching. So did the Dodgers out of Max Scherzer. Adam Wainwright goes five and a third. He allows one run. The Cardinals go into the bottom of the ninth inning with a 1-1 tie. By the way, Scherzer knocked out after only four and a third. And you're thinking, okay, we got a chance. Scherzer's out of there. And we have Waino. But you get to the bottom of the ninth inning. And T.J. McFarland gets a couple of outs. And then Alex Reyes is the guy in the bottom of the ninth. And this is what happened. Reyes fires. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. This is way back. Welcome off. Chris Taylor. Chris, Chris Taylor, Taylor with the game-winning home run. 3-1 final. That was... It was it, I wasn't devastated. I was just disappointed. That was one of those... Oh, man. Where you slump yep. in your chairs. You're not throwing a remote at that moment. You're going, what? Chris Taylor, and it's Alex Reyes who gives it up. Right. I think a lot of people were yelling at their TVs, maybe wanting to throw a remote, not wanting Alex Reyes to even be put in that situation. For me personally, after the season, in totality the season that Alex Reyes had had, I know that he was not Alex Re- the Alex Reyes that we had seen earlier in the year down the stretch, but for someone that had overcome so much adversity to have the season that he had and then to have he- him be the one that was on mm-hmm. the mound when it ended for the Cardinals, my heart just broke for him. I hated that it was Alex Reyes in that moment. I would have felt much better if Reyes would have gotten Taylor or if Taylor would have walked and Mookie Betts would have hit that home run. Yes, very and good point. Chris Taylor had done nothing in September. He wasn't able to hit sliders and he hits a hanging slider. It was just all really disappointing when the Cardinals lost to the Dodgers. Okay, the Blues with a great stretch run. Michelle, they get 25 of the last 36 available points to them in the regular season to make the playoffs. And we get to play mm-hmm. Colorado. Mm-hmm. Only problem was the Blues couldn't win a game. Blues battled injuries like they may have never had before in their franchise history. The puck is dropped, and the Colorado Avalanche beat the St. Louis Blues by a score of 5-2, to two, sweeping the St. Louis Blues in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 5-2 the final. I love that line from Curbs, the Blues battling injuries like they never have in franchise history. It's like 20, this season said, hold my beer. You know, yeah, like, right. oh, yeah. you think that you dealt with adversity or injuries? Wait till we show you what we have in store next season for you guys. But that was so disappointing. Obviously, you want the Blues to make a deep playoff run. Obviously, you would love for them to beat the hated Stan Kroenke-owned mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche. But, Randy, that was a situation in which the character and Smallman guy was not available. Therefore, you knew that the team was in trouble because they weren't going to get the bump. So David Perron becomes the Blues' first point-of-game player since Pavel Dimitra back in the early part of the century. And right before game one of the playoffs, he tests positive for COVID and isn't available for any of those games against Colorado. And in the first couple of games, Jordan Binnington stood on his head 
but the Blues just couldn't generate enough offense to beat Colorado, and they get swept. So there is another disappointment. A couple of other things. Speaking of David Perron, testing positive for COVID, COVID continues to haunt this NHL season, whether it was the Blues not being able to finish a trip in Canada that would have taken them to Ottawa and Toronto or the game here against the New Jersey Devils. Finally, things seem to be back on the beam. But the way that the league has been ravaged by COVID after everybody got vaccinated, Mm -hmm. only one NHL player, Tyler Bertuzzi of Detroit, not vaccinated, yet and still tons of postponements. And that is disappointing on obviously a lot of different levels. But I think for so many sports fans, they thought that we had turned the corner from this and that we weren't going to be missing games or you weren't going to see as many players testing positive. So for this to be happening yet again, it's very frustrating. But the one thing that I keep thinking of on a positive note is thankfully this happened to the NHL now and Mm -hmm. not as we're getting towards the postseason or playoff time and and you're not looking at – as a David Perron type situation where a player's testing positive and missing the playoffs. I would rather my team have to deal with this now. Absolutely. Now, another disappointing aspect to 2021 was that in 2020, Michelle Smallman thought that her fighting Illini basketball team was a Final Four team, mm-hmm. and the tournament was canceled because of COVID. We, we didn't get the opportunity to see the fighting Illini. And then we yes. get to last year, and there is a tournament, and lo and behold... They're going to dribble this one out. Illinois has said, that's it. Loyola, Chicago. As Norris dribbles at half court, pumping his fists, hugs and handshakes all around. And how about this one? At Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, 2018's Cinderella just got a repeat invite to the Sweet 16. The Loyola Chicago Ramblers have upset the number one seed, Illinois, 71-58, dominating the Illini, leading from wire to wire. You know what's amazing? That's the first time that I heard that call in its entirety because as soon as that buzzer sounded, I turned the TV off. (laughs) We're done here. Uh, Just the look on your face right there was unbelievable. You know, I I just... (laughs) People don't understand what it's like to be an Illinois sports fan. I guess Mizzou fans have, you know, similar struggles. But I love Illinois basketball. And it had been 15 years that I had waited for a team like that. I had waited for a guy like Io to stay home and dedicate himself to his state program and then decide to come back. And that team was loaded. They won the Big Ten championship. They won the Big Ten tournament. They were a number one seed. You looked at the path and you thought, oh yeah, you know, Loyola, there's a, there's a couple of tough matchups in there. But this is a team that could legitimately win a national championship. I got everyone around me, Randy, to pick Illinois to mm-hmm. win. I, I was looking people dead in the eye and saying, you're not going to want to be the one who didn't pick Illinois when they finally win. Do you want to be that person? And you wouldn't believe the amount of calls, texts, tweets, DMs, emails that I had to take, the heat that I had to take after that game because I convinced so many people to pick them. It was disappointing. Thanks a lot, Sister Jean. Yeah, really. Hope you're happy. Those are the disappointing aspects to the 2021 sports calendar in St. Louis. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to visit with our friend, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko, as the Blues get ready to take on the Oilers tonight. Bernie on 101 ESPN. Opinionated and proud of it. This is Carriker and Smallman live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. 
Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, joins us on 101 ESPN. Blues with their hands full as they return to action tonight against the high-flying Edmonton Oilers. Bernie, good morning. Hope your Christmas was good. Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Randy. I had a great Christmas. Everything's been good, and I uh, hope you guys had the same. Yeah, Bernie, we are looking forward to getting some Blues hockey back in action. That was the only thing about the Christmas break is that we didn't have any Blues hockey to watch. But a lot of players hopefully returning for the Blues, especially tonight. David Perron looking like he's going to be one of them. He hasn't played since sustaining that upper body injury on November 26th. What are your expectations for David Perron as he returns to the ice? Well, David is one of those guys, Michelle, that uh, loves to play the game. So I, I expect that uh, he'll be really excited about being back out there. I mean, uh, you know, I think with him, uh, he's had some issues before, uh, you know, with concussions and this and that. So I, I would expect that he's feeling very well because he knows what he what he has to feel like before he gets back out there. So I expect that uh, it's all 100% for him. And I, the, the excitement that he gets, I'm sure he'll be flying tonight. Bernie, you didn't have to sit out much during the course of your career, but I heard uh, Craig Bruby talking yesterday about how it might have benefited Robert Thomas to watch the Tarasenko Barbashev Buchnevich line. What is it about being able to sit upstairs and watch a game that can benefit a player? Well, I think you can learn certain habits or, or certain things that guys do out in the course of a game that, that you can actually, you know, when you get back, you can actually, uh, you know, put it kind of, kind of in, in, the, in the brain thoughts and the encyclopedia of, of what they do in certain situations. So, uh, that you know if, if you're in that same situation, you know where they're kind of going to be. So uh, it's a matter of watching. I mean, I, I think that, uh, Randy, you, you always have to learn more about the game. And I think uh, there's so many good players out there that, um, you know, you kind of always want to, um, you know, copy some of the things that everybody does. And I think that you can learn a, a lot of little of the nuances of the game that when you're watching really, really closely because uh, you make yourself a little bit better. So, uh, you know, he's been playing very well, you know, before before the uh you know, time going out and, 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 you know, with the injury with him. And, and, and I think that he really enjoys playing with Tarasenko, especially, which now, which has been a great fit, uh, you know, to this team right now. So I think for Robert coming back, I think this is going to be really a benefit for him that if he takes it in the, in, you know, in the positive way. And, and that's kind of, as, as a young player, you have to do that. And uh, he should be awfully excited about uh, coming back. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, uh, you know, he went through some contract issues to, before the season started to, to get re-signed and this and that. And I think that he, he knows that he wants to be uh, a top player in the league. And so uh, I expect that he'll be really excited about coming back as well. Bernie, we have the Blues and Oilers tonight at 6.30, uh, pregame at 6.30 here on 101 ESPN. And then we have the Winter Classic on deck, the Blues and the Wild. I know that when the Blues were last in the Winter Classic that you played in the alumni game for the Blues. We've talked to a lot of your teammates for that game here this week on 101 ESPN. But what was that experience like for you? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, after not playing for an awful long time, what, 30 years from from the, from the time I, I, I was, was hadn't played, basically, uh, so it was it was a long time coming, and and you know it, the game is, is is you know I've got everything I I, I have is, is I owe to the game of hockey. So uh, to be back out there, I mean to be a, a sellout crowd. I mean there was forty some thousand people at the game. Uh, being back with the guys, the camaraderie that you really really miss, and uh, just the excitement about playing in a competition. It was the Chicago Blackhawks. So it was it was a rivalry that we always had. I mean, of course, it's it's different now. We're old men, and we we couldn't do the things that we we we, we used to do. But uh, just to be in that in that uh, um, atmosphere was was absolutely fantastic, and I had so much fun. I think every one of us that played 
uh, in the game had so much fun because I think it brought back so many memories. And I think the fact that you played as a kid, a, a lot of us, you know, played. And in fact, all of us played outside at some point in time uh, in, in our growing up. And, and to be back there in that kind of atmosphere outside was absolutely fantastic. Bernie, the high in Minneapolis on Saturday is going to be five below. That's going to be the high. Oh. And this game starts at 6 p.m. Their low is going to be 18 below. Do you recall the coldest that you ever played in? Oh, we used to play. It was it was colder. I mean, uh, we just talked to over Christmas. We talked to, you know, my family and, and you know, my mother-in-law and this and that. It, it is uh, 40 below zero in Saskatoon. <laughs> um, so they were up at the lake and they couldn't even go get, you know, snowmobiles out because it was just too cold. So, uh, you know what? Uh, that's cold. But, you know, five below, yeah, it's going to be cold. 18 below, that that's cold. But, um, you know, it is your 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 mind works so good with that. You you know that you're excited to be out there. Uh, it's a game. Uh, you get out there, you're still going to sweat. You're going to do the things that you always do. So, I mean, I think when you're sitting on the bench, I think that's the hardest part. But they do have heaters on the bench now, uh, something that we never had when we were kids. But uh, these are things that you just kind of get used to. I think that it's just the atmosphere of being out there. I mean, I think every. Every guy that that is gets to play in in a in a winter classic will tell you the same thing. I mean, I think Brent, Brent, Brent listening or reading what Brandon saw that to say this is going to be his third one. Uh, they're just special. It's 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 something that um, that everybody wants to do, and and I think the atmosphere of having all these people there and everybody excited. I mean, people will be coming from all over uh, to go to the game, and I think it's just absolutely fantastic. I don't think you even worry about the the cold weather, and and I know that the guys are they'll dress for it. And that once the game started, I think that's out of your mind. All you're worried about is is making sure you play the game to win. Bernie, before we let you go, I want to ask you about Connor McDavid because if the playoffs started today, the Oilers would be the the last seed in the West. They just came off of a six game losing streak, and you've played with guys that, and you were a guy where you just couldn't get over that hump. Uh, for a long time in your career, a Hall of Fame player, but a, a lot of times the team struggled. What's it like for a guy like Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl to be as prolific as they are, but their team just can't become dominant? Well, I think it's frustrating for them, but but obviously, I mean, they are the corner pieces of that hockey club, so I, I think they take great pride in, in making sure that the team does get to that next level. And I think when you look at both of them, what they can do, um, you know, that's something that's a job that Kenny Holland has to, as general manager of the Edmonton Oilers is to continue to build around those two, uh, you know, to the top players, you know, in the world right now. So uh, they're going to continue to get better. I mean, I think there's things that they have to work out. But I mean, as, as you know, as the leaders at that hockey club, they, they have to be the ones that continue to, to lead. They need to continue to score um, defensively. Uh, I think the Oilers have got to get stronger. I think their goaltending is, is still an issue there that they talk about all the time. But um, they just have to continue to play. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, you can't have uh, two guys that are that good and you continue to, to not make playoffs and not continue to scare scare teams. So uh, they're, they're one, I think, that the future of, of the Edmund Oilers is, is very, very bright. And, and uh, as long as those two guys continue to play, I think they got a chance to, to win each and every night. And uh, if they can make the playoffs, Randy, I think that's going to scare a lot of people anyway. Yeah. Once they're in, once they're in, uh, we always talk about that it's two seasons. It's a regular season. Once you get there, everybody's equal again. And then, hey, anything can happen. And I think they're a team that, obviously, if they're in the playoffs, they're going to scare an awful lot of teams. Yeah, when you said that, can you imagine working so hard to be the number one seed in the West and then having them in the first round? <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's exactly it. Because how do you stop them? And, yeah, you know, I think the one thing with the Oilers now is that 
Uh, they've got to get stronger, you know, as a team, you know, down the line because you've got two of the greatest players, but you've got to have a supporting cast. I think that just proves no matter how good your players are, you've got to have a team. It's still a team, uh, and you don't win with just two individuals. You win with an entire team, and that's what the Oilers have got to get better at. Bernie Federko, we love having you on. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. You guys have a happy New Year as well. Thanks. Take care. Bernie Federko, and by the way, tonight, a late start, 6.30 pregame, 7.30 faceoff at Enterprise Center, and you can see the game on Bally Sports. So, Bernie Federko will be busy tonight. That's Michelle, I'm Randy, and this is Kara and Spalman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight for you. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. He's not the undisputed king of morning drive today because Randy lost in the fight yesterday. We have Dustin on the line with us, and Dustin took Randy down. It came down to the tiebreaker, but Dustin emerged victorious. Good morning, Dustin. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Oh, we're doing great. Probably not as good as you, though, who got to brag to all your friends that you beat Randy yesterday. Yeah, my Facebook blew up yesterday. Everybody was listening to it. So everybody's like, go get them again tomorrow. So oh, here we are. I love it. Did you yeah. uh, give anybody the heads up that you were going to be on the fight yesterday? Or did you just wait to see how it played out before you let anybody know? I, I'm I'm pretty humble guy. So I, I want to make sure I get the W before I let anybody know I was on again today. Oh, smart. Well, now everybody knows that you won. So yeah, you probably yeah, got a yeah. lot of people listening. All <laughs> exactly. right, Dustin. Pressure's on. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that we add another Hall of Famer before the year is up. If you win today, that means you have a chance to come back tomorrow, tomorrow and secure the Hall of Fame. So no pressure. All right. Sounds good. Let's go. All right, Dustin, let's do it. Question number one. The Blues take on the Oilers tonight here on 101 ESPN pregame starting at 6.30 p.m. with Alex Ferrario. Wayne Gretzky leads the Oilers in all-time points. Who is in second place in career points for the Oilers? Is it Yari Curry, Connor McDavid, or Mark Messier? I think it's Yari Curry. All right, number two. Tonight, Clemson takes on Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. What stadium is the Cheez-It Bowl played in? Is it State Farm Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, or Camping World Stadium? It just sounds right to go in Camping World Stadium. (laughs) So let's go Camping World. I love that logic, and and you're right. It does sound like that game should be played in Camping World. I wonder if that game will be toasty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Anyway, that was lame. I'm sorry. Question number three for Dustin. By the way, those extra toasty cheeses are the bomb. They're they're good. You can't keep those in your house. You're going to mow through an entire box. Yeah, that's a a diet ruiner. Yeah, for sure. All right, Dustin. Question number three. Who has played the most games as a blue, as a defenseman? Is it Alex Petrangelo, Bob Plager, or Barrett Jackman? Uh, you had Barrett Jackman on yesterday, so I'm going to go Barrett Jackman. All right. And number four, John Madden, of course, died yesterday at the age of 85. In his first year as head coach of the Raiders, he went 12-1-1 and in the regular season. What year was that? Was it 1968, 1969, or 1970? Ooh, uh, 68. Okay. Checking our score here. Another strong performance from Dustin. Confidence check from you, Coach. How you feeling? Uh, you're on borrowed time with Randy, so uh, <laughs> you know it's always 
That's true. He said it, he's a humble guy. That's a humble take. I know. You really yeah. are, Dustin. I appreciate that. Randy, say good morning to, morning to Dustin, the guy who beat you yesterday. Dustin, good morning, the guy who beat me yesterday. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Good. Thanks for playing. Thank you. All right. Sorry, Randy. I just have to rub that in, you know? I, I just know. have to you give I just have to give the listener some shine. That's all. I'm a loser. <laughs> Randy, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. The Blues take on the Oilers tonight right here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 630. Wayne Gretzky leads the Oilers in all-time points. Who is in second place in career points for the Oilers? I believe it's Yari Curry. I'll go with Yari Curry. All right. Number two. Tonight, Clemson takes on Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. What stadium is the Cheez-It Bowl played in? Cheese it bowl. Um, I believe this one is in Arizona. Cheese it bowl. I'll do the lifeline here. All right. Is it State Farm Stadium? Is it Hard Rock Stadium? Or is it Camping World Stadium? I'll, I'll go with uh, State Farm Stadium in uh, Glendale. Okay. Randy, who has played the most games as a blue, as a defenseman? Barrett Jackman. And finally, John Madden died yesterday at the age of 85. In his first year as the head coach of the Raiders, he went 12-1-1 in the regular season. Mm -hmm. What year was that? 12-1-1. He was hired. Well, let's see. How about if we just do it this way? 69. Say that again? 1969. You won't believe it, guys. We have a tie yet again between Dustin and Randy. This is a repeat of yesterday. You guys both got three correct. So we're heading to the tiebreaker round yet again. Just a reminder, this is how we're going to do the tiebreaker. I will read the tiebreaker question. Randy will write his answer on a post-it again today. I'm surprised that you're not switching it up. I will switch it up because yesterday was bad luck. I thought you might. I thought you might. So Randy is going to get out. What are we working with here? Oh, we've got Edward Jones. Oh, the Edward Jones pad. Dustin, you might be in trouble here. Um, He's going to write down his answer. Dustin's going to get first crack at this. We're going to give him about 10 seconds to give us his answer. Then Randy, excuse me, will reveal what he wrote down. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Dustin, are you ready? I write down a lot more stuff than I use, by the way. Just so that you know, I people think I don't write, but I look at all the uh, paper that I have I, written. Are on. all of those for the bachelor though? No, they, I've got other stuff. <laughs> I've got like, um, I've got stuff about our show. Notes. You know. I ever since you've given me this Edward Jones pad, flip pages over, and I look back at some of the things that I've written. Like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Dumb and Dumber first. Josh McDaniels have analytics ruined baseball. I mean, the the notes that I have on here are ridiculous. Anyway, um, and I don't know what any of them mean. Yeah, I've got Bruby Stadium, Dan William. Those are yeah, Dan. Well, who knows? Anyway, okay, back to the tiebreaker. Let's get locked in here. All right, Dustin, are you ready? Let's go. Randy, are you ready? Ready. All right. Here is your tiebreaker question, gentlemen. How many games did Barrett Jackman play for the St. Louis Blues? One Hmm. more time. How many games did Barrett Jackman play for the St. Louis Blues? Dustin, whenever you're ready. Uh, 560. 560? I've got 750. Randy, 750. All right. We do have a winner. Is it Dustin 
Is he beating Randy for the second day in a row with the chance at the Hall of Fame tomorrow? Or did Randy stop him in his tracks? Luke, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. In honor of John Madden. Yeah, sure. In honor sure. of John Madden. Justin, I hate this for you. I hate that it came down to the tiebreaker again, but Randy was closest to the pin. I'm so sorry. Hey, it's okay. I got it. Like I said, I'm on borrowed time. Hey, you still got three correct. You did an awesome job. Strong showing I either way, man. It. Yeah, Dustin, thank thanks, you thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks for Justin. playing. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you all. Thanks. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> 2022. Some new sounders, maybe? We, I'll work on that. I'll have to think about it. I do like that one, though. Oh, it's too hot. <laughs> this one is ridiculous. <laughs> I know, ridiculous is fun, isn't it? I gotta tell you, this one kind of makes me want to, you know, vibe a little. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. It's also incredibly long, that one. Yeah, that is way too hot. <laughs> All right, let's run through our answers. So it's Yari Curry. He's in second place in career points for the Oilers behind the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Randy, you will love this. The Cheez-It Bowl between Clemson and Iowa State is taking place in Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Orlando, huh? Spring training brought to you by Camping World. Oh, that's right, yeah. I love spring training, too. Yes. Okay. Right. Um, Barrett Jackman has played the most games as a blue, as a defenseman. This was a Barrett Jackman heavy fight today. So the year, uh, excuse me, John Madden in his first year as the head coach of the Raiders, he went 12, one and one in the regular season. That was in 1969, first in the AFL West. And the tiebreaker question, how many games did Barrett Jackman play for the St. Louis Blues? Dustin guessed 560. Randy guessed 750. Randy closest to the pin. The correct answer, 803 games for jacks 803 pretty good run with the st louis blues especially when we thought in his second year that his shoulder injury would cut his career short he had a fantastic career for the blues and we're going to talk to kelly chase by the way at the top of the hour but coming up next the most thrilling moments of 2021 on character and smallman on 101 espn Starting your day with a warm cup of sports. We're back to Carriker and Smallman, broadcasting live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. What were the most thrilling moments of 2021? Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, there were a lot of them. But I think the thing that'll stick in our minds is the Cardinal September and their 17-game winning streak capped by winning the division. One, lined into center. There's Bader. Has it. 17 consecutive wins. The run of 21. It's been historic. Amazing, incredible, and now the St. Louis Cardinals are postseason bound. How fun was that? The the 17-game winning streak was amazing. To come in here every single day for almost three weeks and be able to talk about a victory was remarkable. I didn't think that the Cardinals were going to be able to sneak into the playoffs. It took a 17-game winning streak for them to punch their ticket. And the way that they won some of those games were just remarkable. Oh. It was so dramatic. It was so fun. And it's things like that. That's why we love sports. Things that you aren't expecting and that take you on an incredible journey and that you get to it galvanizes so many people. And it's so fun. And you see something that you've never seen before. And in the midst of the 17 game winning streak, talk about things you've never seen before. Who could forget Saturday afternoon at Wrigley Field? And the 1-1. 
Round ball. Goldie to the plate. Bodie is hung up between home and third. The tag by Arenado. They get that out. And now maybe two. Back to Tommy Edmond. He'll throw to third. It's a rundown. Molina. Bader is in it. A bases loaded, one out, and just a crazy double play. Bader is in it. <laughs> the, phone, the phone number play. How good is Danny Mack, by the way? That's, uh, fantastic. That's one thing about revisiting that 17-game winning streak is it's so fun to hear your local broadcasters call it and the excitement and the energy that they bring to the calls. And Dan wasn't there. I know, and Dan wasn't Doing there. it from a studio. It, people don't realize how difficult that is, but Danny Mack is the absolute best. He is such a pro. That was so much fun. And... By the way, part of what made the season fun was the Cardinals making a big move on February 1st to acquire Nolan Arenado from the Rockies. First off, Mr. DeWitt and uh, Mo, thank you uh, for the hard work. Um, I know this wasn't easy, and uh, thanks to my agent, Joel. You know, I heard it was a grind, and uh, they probably know how it feels to play 162 right there just trying to negotiate this contract. So, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful, very thankful to be a Cardinal, a great organization with great history. And uh, me and my family are really excited to be a part of it. So uh, I just want to thank you guys. And then two months later, it paid off. Arenado, a drive deep left at the wall. Welcome to St. Louis, Nolan. What a way to say hello. (laughs) What two spectacular moments. Number one, a move that most didn't expect that the Cardinals would make. And by the way, the creativity. When you look at Cott's baseball contracts and see the things that had to go into making that move work for the Cardinals and the Rockies, just the way the, the machinations in the contract work, it's unbelievable. And then you get beyond that really thrilling moment and have the thrilling moment of the home run. What a great combo. Cardinals fans have been wanting a transaction like Nolan Arenado for a long time. And he was always somebody that there was mutual interest between the Cardinals and him. But it just felt like it would never happen for one reason or another. The the contract would be too big or the Cardinals wouldn't be able to to pull it off or that the Rockies wouldn't let him out of it or... or figure out a way to get it done. But not only were the Cardinals able to get him, they got the Rockies to pay them to do it. $51 million. $51 million. I mean, this is going to go down as one of John Mosellock's most masterful moves. It it was an unbelievable job by the Cardinals front office to get that done. And just like Paul Goldschmidt before him, Nolan Arenado seemingly is meant to be a Cardinal. Can you think of anybody who embodies everything that we would want in a player the way that he does and how seamlessly he transitioned over here? The first time that you see him wearing that uniform, the first time he's in front of a home crowd, this is what he does on on a day like the home opener. It just feels like it was always supposed to be this way. And People were concerned about what he would do outside of Colorado and the altitude. And he winds up hitting 34 homers and driving in 105 to lead the Cardinals. That wasn't the only baseball thrilling moment of 2021. Ted Simmons elected to and then inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. There are many roads to Cooperstown. One look at this very special group behind me makes that clear. For some, it comes quickly. And for others, it takes a little time. For those like myself, the path is long. And even though my path fell on the longer side, I would not change a thing. 
another retired number, another statue. And for a lot of us that grew up in the 70s, we thought that he really got shortchanged in the initial Hall of Fame voting. And it turns out that was the case. He was just such a great player. And I'm so thrilled for him because he's a guy that is committed to St. Louis, loves our town, is a committed Cardinal, loves the Cardinal mm-hmm. way. And to see him go into the Hall of Fame was really cool for me. It was, and he is so deserving of that honor. And it's amazing to have yet another Hall of Famer added to the rich lineage of the Cardinals franchise history. But what an, an elegant man and an elegant speaker. Yeah. That sounds like I'm, I'm listening to a book on tape. Yeah, right. It was it was yeah. an unbelievable so, speech that Ted Simmons gave as well. And you and I were so lucky to be able to go to Canton for the Isaac Bruce induction. And you talk about eloquent. Chris Berman took away Isaac's iPad so that he didn't have his speech. So off the cuff, Isaac did his speech and was magnificent. Yes, he was. I wouldn't have been able to pull off a speech like that, especially one that I had worked after I had worked so hard on a speech and I had an iPad in front of me, a speech that I likely didn't (laughs) memorize. But Isaac is such a gifted speaker. And most importantly, like Isaac does, he spoke from the heart. And so it was a beautiful speech. But for so many St. Louis Rams fans, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Coach Vermeil, Kurt Warner, those are our last connections to that time in our sports fandom. And so to get to see Isaac go in and hear him talk with such genuine affection about our city and what St. Louis means to him and how important Rams fans were to the greatest show on turf was a pretty special thing. A couple of other really fun, thrilling moments in 2021. How about Luther Burden, the number one receiver in the country, committing to the University of Missouri and giving Eli Drinkwitz a top 10 recruiting class? If you're a Missouri, Missouri Tigers fan, you have to be so pumped about the future. Coach Drinkwitz seemingly has that program pointed squarely in the right direction. And I very much look forward to seeing what he can build and if they can, in fact, be on the tier that they want to be in the SEC. And we had Coach Drinkwitz on on signing day and asked him about how he felt about having the number 10 class. And he said, this is great, but we have to do this four years in a row. It's it's a job that's never done when you're recruiting to college football, but to get a program to the level that he wants to get Mizzou to, he understands that it's going to take some time and a lot of players. And especially now with the transfer portal and the NIL stuff, right. recruiting is a tw- it was always a 24-7, 365 job, but now it's even more than that because you're worried about players that you've already gotten to commit staying happy is their situation okay do they have other options it has to be a very stressful time to be a college football coach mm-hmm. but i guess that's why they pay you a hundred million dollars right yeah right for some of those so, guys and he'll wind up getting that somewhere he's a great hopefully coach. it's from mizzou the blues gave us some really exciting moments in 2021 much like the cardinals in september the blues had to go on a run and they picked up 25 of their possible last 36 points to make the playoffs last year before they gave us one of the depressing moments they were swept mm-hmm. in the playoffs mm-hmm. by colorado but that was a fun run i think we all are going to remember the nathan walker hat trick yes. his first nhl hat trick and how important that was and how cool it was that he was able to pick that up i think that that was one of the great moments of the year i also hope that we remember Chucky Sideburns. I don't think that's the last we're going to hear of him, but how fun has he been too? A lot of these call-ups have given us really fun moments to close out the year. And then you have the formerly injured Vladimir Tarasenko who had missed basically two full years. He'd only played 34 games in two years. And uh, and on October 25th against the Kings, the team that he was injured against when he suffered his second shoulder injury, Tarasenko kind of proved he was healthy. Robert Thomas to go back to his own end and from the left to the right, grab the puck for the Blues. Chuck it rink wide for Tory Krug. Sails it to the near wing. Tarasenko gets the line on sight. Cuts to the middle. Shoots. Scores! 
A dazzling highlight reel goal for Vladimir Tarasenko. And the St. Louis Blues have scored in the third period to take a 1-0 lead. 16.52 remaining. Talk about thrilling moments. That was a moment a lot of us didn't know if we'd ever see again because of all of the injuries that Vladimir Tarasenko has had sustained in his career. And even when he was back on the ice, there was trepidation from him. And I don't blame him. After I had gone through multiple grueling rehabs, I might be. And clearly we knew that that shoulder wasn't 100% as he had to have another surgery to correct it. But uh, I don't blame him for not looking like himself after everything that he had endured. But I think a lot of us thought maybe we had seen peak Vladdy pass us by, unfortunately. And to see him come out this season with renewed health and a renewed vigor for the game, it's just been so exciting for so many Blues fans. And Vladimir Tarasenko is in a very rare echelon, I think, for a lot of us because he is the type of guy that can take over a game and do something so exhilarating and so electric that he can take your breath away. We've seen Mm -hmm. some of those moments from him. So... To see something that I was hoping I would see again and didn't know if I could, and Vladdy looking back has been awesome. Not quite like 2000 when the Rams won a championship or 2006 or 2011 when the Cardinals won their last championships or 2019 when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. But a lot of thrilling moments nonetheless here in St. Louis. It's been a good year. And hopefully we have even more bigger and better ones in 2022. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's our most thrilling moments of 2021. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Kelly Chase getting ready for the Winter Classic on 101 ESPN. Get your breakfast raw every morning. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN Blues and Oilers tonight. 6.30 pregame, 7.30 faceoff, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And former Blues analyst and player and all-around great guy Kelly Chase joins us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Chase, sir, are you there? Should be. Okay. Things aren't working. We're going to have to get Chaser back. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Because... Chaser wants to talk to us. He's got a new business opened up in uh, in Chesterfield that I want to ask him about. Oh, I want to hear about that for sure, so we can support it. Yeah, we we shall. We'll we'll get him on the air, and he was, and we'll get him to talk about this too. Just an absolute star. I mean, you have Gretzky, and you have Hull, and you have McKinnis and Pronger, and you have Martin Brodeur in the Winter Classic here in St. Louis five years ago, but then you had number thirty nine, and he's with us now. Chaser, good I'm morning. All- there he is. How you doing, all- sir? Good. I'm only on because Michelle's on. Thanks, I, I Thanks totally Chaser. Get it. I appreciate that. No sweat. <laughs> Chaser, I, I... That's not true, Randy. <laughs> You're my guy. We've known each other forever. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hey, uh, but uh, this is something that hasn't been around forever. I want you to tell folks about your new business in Chesterfield. What do you got going on? Oh, it's, thank you. It's... Uh, it's. Uh, uh, I didn't know I was going to get a shameless plug in here. Shameless but I, uh, plug is allowed. <laughs> Okay, well, um, no, we uh, we opened a uh, medical marijuana um, facility in Chesterfield called Hippos. It's right kind of by Espinos in the valley, and and uh, you know, I sort of uh, I've never I've never been in that space before. But um, after I had my little episode with my brain lesion and went through the process, I learned a lot about um, about the kind of the effects and the the things that it can help you with with non traditional medicine and. Uh, 
it seems to be helping a lot of the former players uh, getting away from opiates and stuff like that, as well as a lot of the guys in the military. So um, I got involved in it, and I'm, I'm grateful. I got some licenses. I applied through the state, um, went through that process. It's been about a seven-year process, I guess, between the vote coming through and everything, and now we have a um, cultivation facility in, in Vienna, Missouri, a manufacturing there, as well as... Uh, Three dispensaries, one in Chesterfield, um, one coming soon in um, Columbia, and one in um, Springfield. So pretty exciting and uh, a lot of work and a lot of money. So hopefully uh, things, uh, you know, go well and we're excited about it. We've been, we've been, it's been a learning process, but it's a, you're never too old to learn. No, not and congratulations, and I sure I'm sure a lot of people listening, Chase, are excited to go check out your new place. Well, the Blues back in action tonight versus the Oilers, but then we have the Winter Classic on deck, and we've been talking a lot about past Winter Classics for the Blues, including the alumni game, which I know you participated in back in 2017. And I think it's worth noting, Chaser, that not only did you participate in that alumni game, but you had a goal and an assist in that game as well. So, can you take us back to that experience and tell us what it was like? Well, I told Sutter when I got to the bench, I told you, you never used me right. Like, uh, There's no excuse for him not putting me on the ice mark. You know, I played one, I played a half a game with Hall and Oates. Um, we won the game. Uh, Holly scored in the game. It was a perfect game. Cujo kept the sh- uh, goals against down. I think it was a one nothing or a two, one game. Holly scored. Everyone went home happy. Like, I don't get what the big deal was. And uh, you only used me one game there. But no, it was, it was fun. I don't understand why the league doesn't do the game every year. I know, I mean, they, have a, they say, well, it's a hassle with the ice or whatever. But St. Louis had 50,000 fans. As a matter of fact, the tickets were scalping for more for the alumni game than they were for the big game the next day or, or whatever the date was. Was it two days later, right? We had to, we had to, we had to play two days later because right. there was a Toronto game going on as well. So, like, b- basically... Um, it was a it was a lot of fun, but it'd be a great way. I, I again, I want to tell you, getting back to where I was just saying about being part of the medical marijuana. I'm also in the alumni association uh, chairman of the board for the league, and uh, we're finding you know different ways to try and help guys that have gone through some you know injury stuff that need surgeries and stuff like that. This is a great way for to raise money too. I think in a, uh, for the alumni association and to help some of the older guys, especially the guys that are in the original six that are, you know, still around and, and going through some of their stuff. I mean, just think of the revenue that was raised at that game. It was so, it was so awesome. Just going out on the ice and seeing the fans and how excited they were and, and seeing them react to some of the guys that haven't been around for a long time. It was, it was awesome. And Chaser, we were talking to Jax yesterday, and he was talking about how in the room you were getting everybody involved, and you got a lot of big personalities and a lot of Hall of Famers in there. Tell us about the vibe in that Blues alumni dressing room before that game. Well, the funny thing is, is like it doesn't matter if you're an alumni or you're, you know, a kid playing now. Everybody wants, like, everybody's watching everything that Wayne does. Everyone's like, you know, and, and Gretz was great. He, uh, he ordered a, I don't know. I, I want to say he ordered like 15 or 20 dozen sticks and he just stood in the room and he taped and he, they were just, there's kids taping sticks and he was getting sticks ready. And, and I think, you know, he just stood out and warm up and shot one puck with each stick. And then he, he was just after the game, signing them, giving them the guys, right. Guys wanted to sip his, you know, Kevin, he's like, let me sip beside Gretzky. Come on. I know you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you're managing who, who's sitting where in the room. Let me sit by Gretz. 
And then he just he would just move. He'd look over at me with this big Cavallini smile, and he'd slide a little closer to Wayne. He'd go take a picture, take a picture. And it was, it was hilarious. I mean, you know. So in the room there was a lot of personalities, but you want the guys that played together to be together. You know, Kachuk and Drake, or you know, some of the guys that had been around with one another. You wanted them sitting by one another so they could, you know, kind of have a laugh together and 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 be you know kind of be together as a group and. And uh, anytime you get Holly in a room, especially when it's for fun, you know, you can hear the bitching and complaining, but yet he, every, he's laughing about all of it. And it, it's just awesome. Like it was just so, it's just so look, look, when you, when you, when you finish the game, you don't miss the game. You miss the guys, you miss the room. Um, that's what you miss. You miss, you miss that camaraderie. You miss that, the joking that goes on. And, and truthfully, like, you know, like we enjoyed the game because it was, I mean, it was hard not to look around at all the people and you want to say thanks to the people you want to say, Hey, you know, like we appreciated the fans. They, they stood there and cheered and clapped and, you know, we're slower than hell and we're out there <laughs> playing and everyone's enjoying themselves. But the truth is, is that it's the only true place that a player feels comfortable. You know, they can feel awkward in front of the microphone. They can feel awkward maybe out about town or not comfortable speaking in front of people or whatever. But people say, are you nervous in overtime? And I'm like, when you're playing, no, because you're just playing. You're just doing the thing you did as a kid your whole life. And you, and you dreamt of being in that position and you don't worry about it. Cause that 200 by 85 is protecting you that glass or whatever it is. But when you, you know, when you leave the game, those uncomfortable situations uh, in life or, or in business or whatever it is they, you know, if there's a hard, it's hard to find that comfort zone again of where you can be comfortable, but you're always comfortable in the locker room and around the guys and, and uh, having a laugh. And, and I, that to me is special. And I think uh, being in that locker room at that point was one of the best parts of the whole, and as, as, as great as it was out there to see the smiles on so many guys faces because they played the game. They loved that was great. I can't even imagine what that was like. It was probably filled with a lot of laughs. But I want to know, Chaser, did you get one of those sticks that Wayne Gretzky was autographing and passing out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, You know, it's funny because uh, there's a story about my kids, about Wayne. Tristan, his son, was uh, staying overnight at our place one night, and, and it was cold Christmas. Uh, and uh, uh, we were flying out of town with the team, and Gretz called me and said, hey, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go down on the pond with the boys. He goes, then I'm going to take him over to the house and we're going to watch the World Junior game. So I'm going to go buy a bunch of McDonald's and just, you know, get a bunch of junk food and stuff. And we're going to watch Canada, USA. And I said, I said, well, I mean, we're leaving town. So he goes, just, just tell Ray Lynn I'm coming by to grab the boys. I said, okay. So uh, I phoned my son, my oldest son, and this is what kids take things for granted. It was a little different because they'd grown up a little bit more by the Winter Classic. But so I, I said, hey, Mr. Gretzky's coming over. He's coming down on the pond with you guys, which, you know, is a rarity in St. Louis anyway that gets cold enough. And he goes, I go, make sure you get some pictures. And uh, he goes, well, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So a couple of days later, I kind of forgot about it. And then I called him. I said, hey, son, did, did, did Mr. Gretzky come down? Oh, yeah. He, I said, can you send me some of the pictures? So he sent me these pictures. And, you know, there's pictures of Luke and Ben and Tristan and, and a bunch of their buddies. And I said, finally, I said, I sent him back. I said, where's the pictures with Mr. Gretzky? He says, who do you think took them? 
<laughs> You're out on the ice with Babe Ruth, and you asked him to take the picture. Oh my! Uh, like seriously, dude. And I, I was, I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" And then after, you know, now that they're older, they kind of realized, you know, that was kind of a big deal. Mr. Gretzky out on the pond. We got pictures with the kids. You know, Wayne was taking them. Hey, Mr. Gretzky, could you get some pictures? And they handed Wayne the camera. Unbelievable. So, so, so this time when we got the stick, it was more like, hey, give me the stick. I'll take care of the stick. You guys, you guys. But Wayne signed all the sticks to, every, to each guy, Keith Kachuk, you know, Dallas Drake, uh, Al McGinnis, whoever. He signed a stick to every single guy. Um, my understanding is the league might have sent a bill for extra equipment that we bought, and Gretz said, don't pay that bill. Give me that bill. I'll take care of that. And he phoned the league and straightened that out in a hurry. So it was uh, he, It was just – it's just, you know, you're around that group of guys who are so – make it so much fun and so comfortable that that's, that's what was great about it. You know, like you're around Holly and, you know, Honor McKinnis and those guys are – you know, you're just you're, – you're the greatest players, you know, Stasny and – Federico and you're just around them all and then you're all in that same same you know room where you're laughing and everybody's just on that equal platform where they're just giving it to one another I mean that's 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 what our game is about we you know the 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 message that we have is taking care of one another and not leaving anybody behind so when you're in a you're in an environment like that it's pretty neat to see the guys all laughing and having fun together Chaser, this just struck me, and I, I swear I've never thought of this before, but we know how tight the Blues alumni is and how big it is. Do you think part of it might be because of every Blues player up until the, the most recent, this current ownership, they've had to deal with so much stuff, whether it was Keenan or Harry Ornest or the missing the draft in 83. Do you think the, the weirdness of the organization up until now kind of made the bond a little bit tighter among you guys that wore the blue note? I've never thought about that, maybe, but I think it's more about the city. Um, you know, I think it's, and then this is not like this, just, hey, I want to thank the fans thing. It's not, it's not, it's not what this is. I, I don't, everyone knows how I feel about the city, so I'm not blowing smoke up anybody, but I think it has more to do with the comfort level of the way we're treated here. It's not like, like, uh, I'll use Wayne as an example again. Like he, he comes here and he's like, I can't believe how nice everyone is. I go, you know, they just leave me alone. They just, they're like, Hey Wayne. And they just keep rolling, you know? And I said, well, there's so many of the players here that people are accustomed to seeing you out as a normal person, but they say that in life, there's seven degrees of separation. There's one in St. Louis, like literally one, everybody's got a guy. I guarantee you, you know, you need a plumber. I got a guy. You need an electrician. I got a guy. Car deal, I got a guy. You know, everybody's got a guy, right? Because people take care of one another here. And so for me, I mean, I was living in Nashville for, you know, I had a place in Nashville. I was working in Nashville. I always lived here. But people say, I thought you moved to Nashville, which I, I had a place there and worked there. And my commitment was five years. And we ended up doing very well and getting rid of our, pro- you know, the project was basically sold out in, in about two and a half or three. And I'm, you know, I'm back here full time. But I can tell you the difference between being there and it's an unbelievable city. I love Nashville and then this is not a knock on it. It's just that there's literally one degree of separation when I'm here. If, if my family, whether it's doctors or whatever it is, mechanic or whatever, there's always somebody there that takes care of you. And I think that's what the bond is about in this city. I think that's why people stay the quality of life. There's a lot to be said for the quality of life and how easy it is to live where people are good to you. 
I mean, try, you know, try that same thing in New York. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so, uh, I think that's the reason why guys stick around. They just, they love the people are so good to us here that it's easy to stay and be part of the community and just be like everyone else. Hey, Chaser, one last thing before we let you go. And obviously this team has been decimated by injuries and COVID. Do you have a, a feel for this team as we head to the new year and they start to get their guys back? Um, well, kind. I mean, I go to all the games. I, I think I've got, you know, I love watching. I love sitting by myself and just kind of taking it in now. And now I'm an armchair expert instead of being on the radio trying to be one. But um, I think... I think this team, I look at this team and I think they have the, 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 the pieces are there to win another championship. They're just, in my opinion, they've got to get back. They've got to get a couple of guys. They're going to start bullying guys again. And I hate, I, I, and this is not about hay fighting or anything, but the St. Louis blues won the Stanley cup because they were big. Their back end looked like trees. They were, they were mean. Who was going to tell, who would believe that you could bully the Boston Bruins out of a playoff round? San Jose couldn't have played a game seven if they wanted to play. If we have a team in the going into the playoffs, that's going to bully everybody again, we're going to win. Cause we have the depth and scoring, the skill. Um, we've got guys that have been there before. Um, but you can't, you can't kind of expect that it just come down from your guy making 50 million in Shen or, or point to Bertuzzo and go, those two guys are the guys. It was by committee before Edmondson was mean. You couldn't get around Bo. Um, you know, Sammy Blay played tough. Uh, all these guys, play, you know, they hit, they didn't care. They were just like, you know, Barbershop's still here. Those guys have all got to find their game of being, hey, I'm going to step it up again. Now, you can say whatever you want. The league's really trying to correct this because I'm sure Edmonton's doing the complaining a little bit because Connor, um, who's the best in the league, in my opinion, hasn't got a lot of calls. Uh, in the playoffs. I mean, I think he's drawn one penalty in all the playoff games since he started. The point is the game does is called differently in the playoffs. And part of that is the guys that can step up and play in that adversity are the guys that are going to be successful. So when the whistle kind of goes away a little bit, if your team's allowed to bully guys a little bit, you're going to win in the playoffs. Like I said, San Jose couldn't have played a game seven if they wanted to, they barely could get on the plane. Mm -hmm. And we pushed in and they were given a game on a terrible call and it didn't, it didn't get us down. Chief Adam. I want to see Craig Berube. First of all, he needs a contract. And secondly, yes. let, could we please just give him a full season of just coaching where we don't have to have stoppages and, 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 and COVID and, and everything. I mean, in fairness to the guy that won the only cup that's been here. I mean, to me that, that needs to be done. Like he needs to have a contract. First of all, if nothing else, for what he's accomplishing. I don't want to hear, hey, you don't get paid on what you, you know, on you know, your past, but you do. I mean, and he's earned that. And especially with the, um, on the uncertainty of the game right now and the uncertainty of what's going on with COVID, I think the Chiefs earned that. And so, again, I think that if you got a guy who, who knows the right way to, to ask a very simple thing out of you to have work ethic, um, then I think you're set up for success already. And if, if the guys can be physical and understand that that's the only way you're going to win in the playoffs still, because these guys get hit a lot in the playoffs or haven't had it all year. They're not accustomed to having to pick themselves up off the ice and not look over at the referee for a call. That's the thing. Now look over at the referee. Every time you go down, right. hold your lip a little bit, whine, 
and then hopefully you get a call. And if you don't have that in the playoffs and guys just chuckle at you because you're laying there acting like a whiner and they refs to put the whistles away, you're going to win. That's just the way it is. Chaser, great analysis. Great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year. And again, we advise people that are having issues with pain and you, you need a medical marijuana card to go to Hippos. Just find it online at hipposcannabis.com. Thanks for all you do for our community, too. Always great to hear your voice. Hey, I love it. Love you guys. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chaser. Kelly Chase on 101 ESPN. What a great interview. What spectacular analysis. I was so fired up listening to him talk about how the Blues were so physical and mm-hmm. what they were able to do to win the Cup. I felt like I was in the pregame watching him on the Jumbotron, hyping us up, telling us what the team needed to do to secure the victory. That was incredible. And Army is going to have to go make one more move. He's going to have to go get that guy that Chaser's talking about there. Yes, there are people that will bang here. But when you lose an Edmondson and you lose a Blay and you don't have Zach Sanford who was physical in those playoffs. Jay Bowmeister. Jay Bowmeister doing what he did. And Mikula might wind up being a, a, a mini-me Jay Bowmeister. He's not going to be Bo. But they need a, another physical player or two because of what Chaser's talking about. No doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming, back, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about John Madden and his impact on society in general. And then your Killing Me Smalls is also coming up on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money. If you missed our interview with Dick Vermeil this morning, you'll be able to hear that on our podcast at 101ESPN.com. You can you can also, if you'd like to re-listen to Kelly Chase, hear that again. And that was a, a fun interview. Michelle, you think that was one of the best interviews we've ever done? I was sitting on the edge of my seat listening to Kelly Chase tell stories and break down what the Blues need to do in order to win another Stanley Cup. He is such a captivating storyteller. He's incredible. I would love I would love to just get him in a room and have him tell stories for an hour. I'll, unedited. I, I want him to be able to say whatever he wants. Podcast version. He's great. And we lost a captivating person yesterday. John Madden passing away at the age of 85. He'd been with CBS. He'd been with Fox. He'd been with ABC. He'd been with NBC. He'd been with all the major networks broadcasting football. He had retired after 2009. Interestingly, Michelle, his last game with Fox was Super Bowl 36. His last game with Pat Summerall. And the last game he ever did... By the way, that uh, Kurt Warner Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Last game he ever did was Kurt Warner losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl after the 2008 season. So Kurt Warner and John Madden intertwined as well. Absolutely. And you made a great point earlier in the show when you were talking about the Rams having a big game and the former PR chief for the uh, the Rams came up to you and said, you know it's a big game when Madden is in town. Yeah. And now we have so many networks and so many broadcasts and we just have content coming out of our ears and there are still big games like the Super Bowl, but games of the week that are big are just a little diluted because you have so many options. But back in the day, if it was a Summerall and a Madden broadcast, it was the game and everybody was tuned into it. And before John Madden, if you watched a football game, you had to be a football fan. Mm-hmm. You had to have a a specific interest in football. And John Madden did things outside of the white lines that made casual fans more interested or just made football more fun to watch, like this. As we see the the buckets, now there's a third bucket this week. I think what happened 
there's always been, yeah, there's always been like a mother and father. Like this is a father bucket, this is a mother bucket, and since the last game, they had a baby bucket. So this is a baby bucket. So they got three now. There always been two. One's going to go to Parcells, one's going to go to another assistant, and one will go to a player later in the game. I guess that clears up the question as to whether they're married or not. Well, yeah, well, they got married. Yeah, they got married in that baby bucket. That's Ruth's son over the right side and out of bounds by Steve Wilson. That's the bucket. Well, I mean, I mean, the bucket, you know, that's how big it is. I mean, third year in the league. And then you ask questions like, is it married? Yeah, bucket's married. Bucket, you got a family bucket? Yeah, yeah, got a baby bucket. And then brought the ice because we're in California. Family. Heavy yeah, ice. See, the baby can't sit up there with the mom and dad, though. <laughs> so, he, John Madden was the idea behind the telestrator. Every time you see somebody circle a player now on TV, that was his brainchild. And there he is doing a game on, I guess it was Fox, where he's circling the buckets, yep. circling the mom and the mother and the father bucket, and then circling the baby bucket, and just doing an entire diagram of what's going on. And pointing to where each bucket is going to be dumped. Yeah. He was just incredible. And we had an amazing interview, as you mentioned, with Coach Vermeil, who was close with John Madden. And as Coach Vermeil said, he was the best at whatever he decided to do, whether it was coaching or broadcasting. Even his video game is the absolute best. And I think it's amazing that there's an entire generation of fans that fell in love with football because of John Madden and never even knew him as a coach or a broadcaster. They just knew his video game. And he was just so, was and is so synonymous with the game of football. Mm -hmm. He is football. As Coach Ramil said as well, other than Vince Lombardi, who is more football than John Madden? Yeah, nobody. And especially for our era. And by the way, Fox did a magnificent documentary on John Madden that aired on Christmas. It's going to be on FS1 tonight. Tomorrow, Big Fox is going to show it. So you'll have plenty of opportunities to watch the Madden documentary and see the entire story of his careers. Not just as a coach, but as a broadcaster and as a video game entrepreneur as well. I very much am looking forward to that. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's excellent. He was... He was something else. And we'll talk to Dan Deardorff tomorrow morning, but he's one of the guys, and Dan was another one, that could teach football at a very elementary level and be really entertaining, but also be interesting to the person that knew a lot about football as well. And that's a very difficult line to walk. And having guys who obviously have a wealth of football knowledge and know the X's and O's and the numbers behind everything, but understand that it's important to speak to your audience at a level at which they can not only consume it, but be entertained by it is something that I think a lot of people now um, could use a little bit more of with the way that we're going with analytics and it's turning off a lot of fans. People should look to the the John Maddens of the world and understand that this is supposed to be entertainment and it's supposed to be consumable and palatable for the average person. Great point. So you want to hear the Dick Vermeil interview again, go to 101ESPN.com. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. As we know, Randy... 
teams across various leagues still dealing with positive tests and COVID-19. And the latest one is the Indianapolis Colts. They have placed their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, on the COVID-19 list. Now, the NFL and the NFLPA did announce yesterday that they've adopted the new CDC guidelines that reduce the quarantine time from five days to five days from 10 days for all players, including unvaccinated players, which Carson Wentz is, if they are asymptomatic or at least demonstrate that their symptoms are improving. So Carson Wentz tested positive, but he might still be able to play Sunday against the Raiders as long as he is asymptomatic or demonstrates that his system, his, excuse me, symptoms are improving under these new protocols. I totally get that people like Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers to an extent say this is a personal decision that I don't really want to talk about. But you are the quarterback of an NFL team. And the rules in place say that if you want to play and you test positive, then you need to be vaccinated. I think it was really irresponsible and selfish of those quarterbacks to not get vaccinated. Now, it is their choice to be irresponsible and to do things their own way and make their own personal decisions. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have their own choice. I'm saying that their choices are that they're causing their teams to have the chance to lose games. Packers lost a game in Kansas City they could have won if Aaron Rodgers would have been the quarterback. They're taking a really big chance here. Kirk Cousins taking a a big chance with Minnesota in not being vaccinated. And the guys, the quarterbacks in the league that have missed games due to COVID this year are unvaccinated. I think that should be uh, an example to everybody else. And the the Colts lucky that Carson Wentz still might be able to play on Sunday. Because now, of the CDC, right? Because of the CDC and these um, adjusted protocols that the NFL has adopted because this is a team that's firmly in the playoff hunt. They're sitting there at 9-6. and six, They're second in the AFC South and they're trying to punch their ticket to the playoffs. Yeah, Sam Ellinger the rookie from Texas would be their starter and he would only have to hand off a bunch to Jonathan Taylor, I would hope. You want to keep the ball out of the hands of the Raiders anyway. So just hand the ball off to Taylor and hope you can build up 40 minutes in possession time. That seems to be like the game plan regardless of who's under center. Right. You're killing me, Smalls. Wanted to give a shout-out to Kofi Coburn, Randy, of the Fighting Illini. He was named the Big Ten Player of the Week. This comes after he posted, yes, shout-out to Kofi, 25 points and 14 rebounds in Illinois' bragging rights victory over Mizzou. Should that really count? Yes, it should count. Getting 25, you get 25 against Mizzou, and that's getting you Player of the Week? Yes, Randy, Mizzou uh, was the underdog the past, not this past bragging rights, but the past two in a row, and they beat Illinois. It's, uh, even though it looked like a mismatch. Kind of did. Sometimes in these rivalry games, neutral court, you never know what's going to happen. We did. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We knew what would happen, and it did. We knew what would happen, and the outcome was correct. But anyway, shout out to Kofi. It was his fifth straight double-double, 35th overall for him. He's a stud. He's going to be a great pro. He is unbelievable, and um, just another great honor for him to add to his collegiate resume. Isn't it amazing that somebody that big can be that agile and have... The grace that he has to me—that's why NBA players are the best in the world, are the best athletes in the world, because to have that level of grace at that size is absolutely remarkable. And you know that he's—he's he's big. Obviously, if you watch the games on TV, I hadn't seen Kofi play live because you know pandemic mm-hmm. and all. And I was at the bragging rights game. I got the opportunity to be on the court before the game started, and he 
is a man among boys. Yeah, he I mean, really is. it is unbelievable how big and strong and as you mentioned, agile he is. And I would be very interested to see what NBA teams think of him and where he'll go. Well, I think the league might be changing to the great story at ESPN.com by Brian Windhorst about the Cavaliers succeeding now. The Cavaliers are over 500, have a chance to be a four seed because they have three seven footers up front. And if they succeed, that might change the way teams look. Maybe he's a, a first or second pick in the draft. Maybe. That would be awesome. Yeah. But let's just focus on him staying in Illinois and right. hopefully cutting down a net. Because that's the goal. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Cutting but. down a net for a regional and then a national champion. Just cut hey, down all the nets. Anybody could win it this year. It, this is... Is there a great college basketball team? I don't think there is Baylor's one that's... pretty good. Yeah. Who? Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. I... I think, though, Baylor's long. He's long. I think that he could be kind of an X factor in a game like that. Yeah, you know what? I thought that last year, Randy. Yeah. I got my hopes up Don't super high. Does, this is just what we're doing. I'm never getting my hopes up yeah. again. If they win, it will be the shock of my life. I'm not saying they're not capable of doing it. I just cannot emotionally go there. I just can't do it. Surprise I'll, me, guys. I'll, Please. I'll tell you this. But I'm not I'm not buying in because I can't deal with what I had to deal with last year. This is just my opinion based on what I've seen. I don't think Baylor University has a sister Jean running around. That's true. <laughs> that was a pretty rare circumstance. They got guys killing each other. Randy. I'm, I'm just saying. But not only that, I mean, we're, other bad things happen to Baylor, but basketball, they, they, they kill a guy. Yikes. But come on, Illinois, you could do it. But I'm just telling you, as we head as we head towards March, we're getting ready to head into 2022. They could be a number one seed again. They could win the Big Ten again. They could win the Big Ten tournament. You're not going to hear me get as hyped as I did last year. Yes, you will. You know what? I might, but I'm saying right now that I'm going to learn from my experience last year and just allow myself to go along for the ride without expectations. Go along for the ride with expectations. It makes it much more fun. Expectations are the root of heartache, right? So if I go along the ride, just saying whatever happened. I kind of felt that way about the Blues. When the Blues Mm -hmm. won the Stanley Cup, finally, we entered that that playoff run thinking, they could do it, but like it is the blues, you know. I'm just gonna kind of just like be happy and excited, glorious playing. Maybe maybe Illinois needs a song to play after everything. Oh, there you go, that's a good idea. I and mean, we need to get them to a bar on campus. And well, no, actually we don't. <laughs> actually we don't. Different circumstances. Sorry guys. But anyway, I, I think a lot of blues fans went in with a little emotional hesitation. No doubt. After the hand pass game, I think we all thought it is different. Mm-hmm. This is a different season. But that's how I'm approaching this Illinois team. They look great. They've got a lot of exciting talent. I, I like the way they're playing. There's some cohesion there. I'm just going to see what happens. Roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. Like it. You're killing me, Small. And finally, Randy, some really sad news coming from our ESPN family. Jeff Dickerson, who a lot of people know as the beat reporter for ESPN.com for the Bears. And, of course, he did a lot of work on ESPN 1000 in Chicago and nationally working on the show Dickerson and Hood. Tragically passed away yesterday at the age of 44 um, due to a battle with colon cancer. It is... Such a tough situation, not only losing a colleague and a friend of the caliber of Jeff Dickerson. He was just such an unbelievable person, Randy. But in 2019, he lost his wife, Caitlin, to cancer as well. And they both leave behind their son, Parker, an 11-year-old boy. And it's it just breaks my heart to even think about it. But if 
you would like to help uh, an incredibly sad and tragic situation, there is a GoFundMe account called Parker's Fund that is being shared on social media. I have retweeted it. If you go to my page at msmallman, you can read more about the person and the professional and the friend and father and husband that Jeff Dickerson was and donate to their son Parker to help with his education and his athletics. An unspeakable tragedy and how horrible for Parker to lose his mom and his dad to cancer. Just awful and uh, our best wishes for him and our hopes that uh, people can contribute and that he can lead as normal a life as possible. He's with his grandparents right now, right? That's right. And he will know how wonderful his parents were and how much mm-hmm. his, his family loved him, for sure, his parents. That's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to cross things over. BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour on 101 ESPN. Back to Character and Smallman coming to you live from the Car Shield Studio. This is 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario joins us in studio, an extended edition of BK and Ferrario coming up here on 101 ESPN, 10 till 2 today. 10 to 1? 10 we to got 1. A bowl oh, you got a bowl game. game. Yeah, because hey. you worked a marathon yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we went I, I was, through it. I was driving around throughout the course of the day, and uh, every time I tuned in, Alex Ferrario was on the air. Well, what can we say? Randy, yeah, just great job. I love hearing my voice. Appreciate it. No, it was fun <laughs> with BK and Tanner last couple of days. But yeah, we got the bowl game. And of course, the one day where the Blues are playing, we're off earlier. So I guess it gives me more prep time the way I look at it. But uh, so yeah, three hours. We got the uh, the pinstripe bowl. No, the yeah, pinstripe. Then the cheese it bowl. There's so many bowl games. Uh, we're trying to figure out which one's which. The, where is the uh, cheese it bowl played? I, it's got to be I Wisconsin. Know. No, I know it because it was a fight question today. Was, yeah. That's yeah. the only reason I know. I missed that today. I knew yesterday was Arizona. Yeah. Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, right, Luke? Yeah. Oh, my bad. The former Citrus Bowl. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Camping okay. World Stadium. Yeah. Fun also, fact for I you. I bet you it's beautiful in Orlando right now. It's also where the very prestigious Pro Bowl is played as well, mm, I believe. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. I always watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, are you a fan of Cheez-Its, guys? I love me some Cheez-Its. I'm, Randy, you didn't hear it because you were in the cone of silence, but I made a great toasty joke. I said, I wonder if that game will be toasty. It's <laughs> beautiful. Well I died done. a little on the inside. Patting myself on the back again for a terrible joke. Small. Mm-hmm. Dad joke. It's awesome. I know, right? Come on. Awesome. Had to do it. Put it so, in the bank. I'm going to ask you a tough question that might be impossible to answer. Well, it's not impossible to answer. Looking might be to impo- impossible to answer correctly, though. Okay. Shoot. Fire away. What do you expect from the Blues tonight? <laughs> Did you see what happened in the NHL yesterday? Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't so it? So two games were a total of nine goals, and then San Jose and Arizona was 15 goals. So basically what we're expecting, Randy, is a uh, offensive powerhouse. Just 25 goals in this one. And if that's the case, it might be 15-10 Edmonton, right? It or might 17-8? be 15-10 Edmonton. And I was just putting together our, our montage for pregame later on tonight, and I forgot that that Edmonton game... You had Edmonton scoring a goal to take the lead or tie things. It was tie things with like three seconds in the first period. And then Yamamoto was the one that scored the goal with 27 seconds left. And that was probably the most entertaining game that the Blues have played this season. So in all reality, I have no idea what to expect because both teams haven't played in over a week. (laughs) And you would imagine the ones that lag the longest are the goaltenders, especially if Bennington's playing Mm because he got one game before he was off. But then on top of it, like the Blues are getting three impact players back in the lineup. So this one's going to be as intriguing as you're going to get and and suck it all up because then they don't play again until Saturday. 
and then they don't play again till Wednesday. So like the longest break that this Blues team is going to have in the next two weeks. Are you kind of glad now that you aren't going to Minneapolis? I I said this yesterday with BK. If I had the opportunity, I would go. But this year I decided that I wanted to be home with my daughter for her first New Year's Eve. Aww. But it's a better decision that I know it's going to be minus 14 degrees yeah. and like historic temperatures yeah. in this one. Yeah, I saw my winter classic. I don't think you can top blues and Blackhawks. So uh, I'll enjoy this one in the comfort of 74 degrees in this beautiful studio here in Creve Corps. Yeah. I'm with you. And, I agree. It's and easy. you wouldn't be out on the ice working up a sweat either. That's no, the problem. You're no. just stagnant Well, in the cold. and Curbs and Joey are broadcasting from the ice. Yes. Like, they're on the board. So I would imagine if I was oh there with gosh. them, I would be sitting right there. And, yeah, there's not enough thermal underwear in the world no, to keep you warm not. in that position. So uh, I will watch from TV in this one. Uh, can I give you guys a late take it or leave it? Yes. Take it or leave it. 57 lights the lamp tonight. Take it. Take it. Power play, too. Oh, okay. Take it I love it. DP 57 PP. Nice. What do you have coming up on the show? So we have a lot of fun coming up. So we're going to talk about, obviously, Perron's return. Of course, John Madden passing away. I know you guys discussed that earlier. We got Mike Rupp, a Stanley Cup champion, coming on with us to Great do a guy. little preview of the uh, Winter Classic. And, of course, the Blues. He was the one on NHL Network a couple of days ago that said the Blues are his dark horse to win the Stanley Cup. I heard that. So we're going to get his take on that. His and last NHL game was against the St. Louis Blues. That's right. With Minnesota, correct? Right. If, I really wish there was an alumni game in this Winter Classic. Yeah, that'd be nice. Disappointed it? there like wasn't. Chaser one. said they should do it every year. They, they really should. should. I was surprised yeah. that they didn't because Minnesota's got to, like get Marion Gaborik back on the ice. That'd be entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, we got Mike so, Rupp and Chris by the way, Herbert. Mike Rupp not known as a tough guy, but elbowed T.J. Oshie in the head and gave him a concussion. Got suspended. Never played again after that. Hmm. So okay, first, him, qu- first question. Yeah, yeah he's he's answered it before. He can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a true pro. He's done it. He played with Scott Stevens. He knows what's going yeah. on. That's true. Hey. Thank you very much. We'll be tuned in for this show. And then tonight, 6.30, Blues and Oilers pregame. And then we'll hear you during intermissions as well. Sounds good. And after the game. Thank you both. Alex Ferrario to be joined soon by Brandon Kiley and Tanner Hendrickson. Great job today by our producer engineer, Luke Clevenger. And this may or may not be Luke's last day at 101 ESPN. He's, he's headed up to Brainerd, Minnesota. Hey. Hey. Does yeah. mean you're a Blues fan for the Winter Classic? No, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, it does. Oh, I actually gosh, have. You said no, I have, I have outstanding bets. With people over in uh, over in Minnesota on the Winter Classic already, uh, with people find people up at Hubbard that's, Radio Brainerd. That's smart. So if Andrew Marsh isn't able to catch his if his flight gets canceled from Arizona back to St. Louis tonight, <laughs> then Luke will be back. Yeah. So actually, so I will be back first week of uh, after New Year's, and then I'll leave about midweek oh, okay. there. So, but this Good. will probably be be my last shift on uh, if the flight doesn't if the flight goes through. Last shift on the morning show with you guys. Well, so great work. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, if you ever want to get a look at Brainerd, just watch the movie Fargo. It's a beautiful country up there. I'm not, really not even going to lie. Except they put people in wood chippers. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you do. You put one guy in a wood chipper, and all of a sudden a it's, your, it's your reputation, right? Yeah. You do it once, it sticks with you. Couple that with the cold. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait. Hey, you know what? Have a good time, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, this was fun? It was. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back at it again tomorrow morning. Dan Deardorff will join us at 9 o'clock. We'll also talk to Keith Kachuk. So... Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.